Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about classical books, classical education, old things, and three old guys. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're, we're not that old. One old guy. Oh, ouch. <laughs> um, my ha- ha- name... Happy recent birthday. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is Graham Donaldson, and I am with my partners in classicism, AJ Hannenberg. Right here. And Thomas Magby. Hello. And... Um, Thomas, yeah. I feel like uh, corrupting the youth. <laughs> okay, cool. I feel like, uh, you is know. This, is this a turn of attitude for you? Or no, I, just, yeah. I feel like, you know what, I want to ruin their, uh, they want to go off and become like lawyers and doctors and yes. politicians. I think that's just, that's not the good life. Yeah. I want them to live as vagrants. Wow. As philosophing vagrants. Yeah. That, that, I mean, living that, in pots. Yeah. In a van down by the down river. Down by the river, yeah. These are things I like to hear from high school teachers. So exactly. That's great. That's, so, I'm really um, happy to hear that. Um, uh, sabotage their progeny so yours can succeed. That's right. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I think that um, uh, up is down and, oh. and um, old man yells at clouds. No, I, anyway. <laughs> I want to hear um, more about what you think. Yeah, today we're talking about, uh, this, Graham is getting out that we're talking about Socrates, Kind of. Uh, we're talking about a play a hit called, piece. We're talking about a hit piece against Socrates called The Clouds by Aristophanes. Um, so I guess we've talked about uh, Socrates before. Uh, I don't think we've done a play, any of Aristophanes' plays before. Um, y'all know anything about this Aristophanes fellow? Um, he's a playwright. Yep. Comedian. Yep. Um, didn't like Socrates. Did not like Socrates. And his play The Clouds is kind of like... Well, it was actually admitted as evidence during yep. Socrates' trial, at least according to Plato's uh, apology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in it, uh, Aristophanes is portraying this character who is, like, kind of an idiot and wants to corrupt the youth. Yeah. And does it through, yeah. And so he's, he's I guess maybe, maybe Aristophanes thinks he's, I don't know if he's writing satire, but he's definitely contra- Socrates. He he thinks that the 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 endeavor, the task that Socrates is doing with his Socratic investigation is um, ultimately bad for society. Yes, and so he writes this play. Yeah, I've, to poke fun at him. I've, you know, us being a classical education podcast, we probably have taken Socrates aside. I know when um, which one of y'all did Plato, where we talked about wasn't the. Apology. It was Euthyphro, wasn't it? Was it was Euthyphro, yeah. And, um, you know, talking about these accusations against Socrates. Um, you know, like, in general, we're going to take Socrates' side, on the, you know, in, in most things, I'd say. Um, but, but even in that episode, there was, like, part of, I think it was you maybe, maybe where yeah. part of you was like, ah, the people got a point about the Socrates guy. That's my, I, I've had in my mind that, that um, sketch, the uh, Are We the Baddies sketch <laughs> of, like... <laughs> Because, you know, exactly. like Socrates' whole project is to get people to, like, question essentially everything in their lives. And the thing, he, what Graham was referencing is this accusation of corrupting the youth is because you have these kind of upwardly mobile people who are supposed to go off and be doctors and lawyers who meet Socrates. Or politicians, politicians. like running Athens. Yes. yes, which is, you know, you, you need some of those people to do that. And he would kind of get them off of that path, right? Like they'd suddenly want to become philosophers instead and yeah. sit around and ask big important questions but not – run the city. You send all your money, sending your kid to like Yale <laughs> yeah, or Harvard, yeah. his first year philosophy class, he comes home, yeah. communist. Um, no. And so like, 
and you know, like the the charges made against Socrates are, you know, I think the part of that episode was to say trumped up, right? They they, they were, you know, the, he the, he was redirecting people to not pursue those projects that they were going after before. Mm-hmm. It's probably you know potentially overstated, or um, I think isn't one of the points that they didn't actually want Socrates to be killed. They wanted him to mm-hmm. pay, pay a fine essentially. Yep. And then it's Socrates who basically calls their bluff and is like, you know, if, if there's a problem with me, I'm going to I'm going to die for it. They said, hey, Socrates, what should your punishment be? And Socrates says, you, you should, should give me free food for life. <laughs> and that was what he asked. That was what his punishment should yeah. be. And then he, he said, well, I'll pay a fine, but I suggest a two two dollars or something. Yeah, like he's that. like, it should be like proportional to my income, <laughs> which, is <laughs> nothing, which yeah. is nothing. So and then that he ticked off enough people that they can <laughs> they send them to death. Yeah. Uh, and then you made reference to this, but uh, this play is is pointed to as one of the reasons for Socrates being put to death. I can um, I can get that section from this is from the Apology written by Plato. Um, I'm just going to read the section that's relevant here. I will begin at the beginning and ask what the accusation is which has given rise to the slander of me and which has encouraged Melitus to proceed against me. What do the slanderers say? They shall be my prosecutors, and I will sum up their words in an affidavit. Socrates is an evildoer and a curious person who searches into things under the earth and in heaven, and he makes the worse appear the better cause, and he teaches the aforesaid doctrine to others. That is the nature of the accusation, and that is what you have seen yourselves in the comedy of Aristophanes, who has introduced a man whom he calls Socrates, going about and saying that he can walk in the air and talking a deal of nonsense concerning matters of which I do not pretend to know either much or little. Not, um, not that I mean to say anything disparaging of anyone who's a, a student of natural philosophy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, how is this portrayal of, of Socrates coming about that he's, ta- that he's teaching up is down and down is up? This play by Aristophanes. This play by Aristophanes mm-hmm. called The Clouds. Um, and a lot of people only knew Socrates because True. of the caricature in Aristophanes' play. Yeah, so. that's exactly. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of go through this. I think we always uh, say that we don't think our episodes are going to last an hour, but this, you know, this will probably be a shorter one. It, the play's not very long, and if you find any of this interesting, just you know, take an hour and you can go read this for yourself. It's, not, it's really not that long. Um, Part of what's interesting in the statement of its influence, you know, Plato pointing to it as a reason that people know what Socrates is like, is that this the, the clouds was not incredibly popular when it first came out. It didn't win the it didn't win the festival that it was uh, submitted to. Um, so it it didn't get this like you know incredible reaction right away. But it's something that kind of over time stuck around, and you know, the charges against Socrates aren't still for uh, a number of years after the play comes out. Um, so maybe not influential necessarily when it first comes out, but something that kind of, kind of grows in popularity over time. All right. And I plan on butchering every name in this cast. So I apologize in advance. The, uh, you know, the, what, what kicks off the plays is there's this, uh, there's this, there's this man named Strepsiades and he is an older fellow who, uh, has been, he has a son. The son's name is Phidippides. Phidippides. And, uh, Strepsiades is in debt. He's in debt to a number of people and he needs to find a way to get out of debt to these people. And so he's considering his options. What can he do? You know, he married uh, kind of an upwardly mobile woman who maybe has some connections. Not sure he can really go down that path. Uh, he's gotten into all this debt because his son is really into horse racing. So maybe there's something he can work out there. 
but you know he doesn't really want to sell anything or, or wouldn't be able to recover enough money. Um, and so he's trying to think through his options of what will make him a lot of money or what will get him out of having to pay his debts. And what comes to mind is that um, there's this place where people go to get trained um, and then come out and they can talk their way out of debts. Like this is the reason Strepsiades wants to um, – he initially will put himself into it. Um, later, his son will get involved as well. But um, there's this place called the Thoughtery, the Thoughtery. So that's the place where Socrates is teaching, and there are also a number of disciples of Socrates who who teach at this place as well. Um, so the this opening is just uh, it gets us this introduction to this older guy who's in debt. That's Strepsiades. He has a son, Pheidippides, who uh, is not particularly uh, wanting to help out his father. Um, and so Strepsiades decides he needs to go get, he needs to do something. And so he, he opts to go join the thoughtery. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I know I, I'm hoping you all are giggling at that the entire time. Is that, oh, yeah. is that going to be fun for y'all? It's, it's currently fun. Good. Okay. Um, I look forward to saying thought the entire time. Is so, that what's good? Okay, good. Wonderful. So people trying to like those hoplites over yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those hoplites. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> So the thoughtery is you can go and they'll teach you like the phrases you can say to get out of your credit card debt, like that kind of thing. Yeah, let's. Uh, we can actually start reading it. Um, so the f- I, I sent you all the uh, um, the manuscript. Uh, sent, I sent you all the text. So if you go for that first quote, one rebuff shall not dishearten me. Mm. Who says it? Strepsiades. Graham is going to be reading this from his phone, so we're going to see. I him. said I can go get my copy in my classroom. Yeah, but it'll be a different like, no, translation. Emailed it to you. Well, you want to read from two different translations as we go. I hate so we're reading, reading from Strepsides at one rebuff. Yes. F. I can't do this very well. Um, one rebuff. Would you like to read from my computer? Who, who am I? Who am All I going right. to be? You'll. Let's have. Am I a disciple? Right. Graham is going to be Strepsiades, and AJ is going to be a disciple. Cool. All right. And we'll go, I don't know, we'll go for a little while. All right, so I'm Strepsiades. Uh, I, should, I should forewarn that there may be instances of language that you need to change the word of, so change it to a uh, less offensive term. If I you will can. do no such thing. You can say whatever words you'd like to, but okay. I, it's one thing I'd like to, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get through like these, uh, these, these comedies. They got, they got some raunch to them, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's start. And this side. is fine to read online because it's well into public domain. Yeah, we're yeah. reading from, uh, I think. It, if the estate of Aristophanes comes after us. Yeah, they can go after us. Well, sometimes the translation mm. is still in. Has someone gotten mad at us for any of our previous readings? No, I'm just saying, like, we, we might be legally liable. I don't think we no, will for this. For this this is on no. the pretty open web. All right. Um, I'll read the stage directions, and I think it'll just be the Strepsides and Disciple for a little while okay. at least. So let's uh, let's go for it. One rebuff shall not dishearten me. With the help of the gods, I will enter the thoughtery and learn myself. So he had just been, uh, it, his son had told him that he, essentially he didn't think that Strepsiades could succeed at uh, going, through the, going through the thoughtery. So he hesitates. But at my age, memory has gone, and the mind is slow to grasp things. How can all these fine distinctions, these subtleties be learned? Making up his mind. Bah! Why should I dally thus instead of rapping at the door? Slave, slave! He knocks and calls. A plague on you! <laughs> Who are you? Strepsides, the son of Phido, of the Dema of uh, Sinna. Just a disciple coming out the door. You are nothing but an ignorant and illiterate fellow to let fly at the door with such kicks. 
You have brought on a miscarriage of an idea. Pardon me, please, for I live far away from here in the country. But tell me, what was the idea that miscarried? I may not tell it to any but a disciple. Then tell me without <clears throat> fear, for I have come to study among you. Very well, then, but reflect the, that these are mysteries. Lately, a flea bit Cherophon on the brow, and then from there sprang on the head, onto the head of Socrates. Socrates asked Cherophon, how many times the length of its legs does a flea jump? And however did he go about measuring it? Oh, it was most ingenious. He melted some wax, seized the flea, and dipped its two feet in the wax, which, when cooled, left them shod with true Persian slippers. These he took off, and with them measured the distance. Ah, great Zeus, what a brain, <laughs> what a subtlety. I wonder what, then, you would say if you knew another of Socrates' contrivances. What is it? Pray, tell me. Cherophon of the Deem... Read this one before you... Yeah, this one, uh, you might want to change oh, some words. Oh, this is great. Yeah, we'll, we'll end uh, after we figure, answer this next question. I think it's fine to say that go word, for it. right? No, that word is fine. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Cherophon of the Deem of Spetia asked him whether he thought a gnat buzzed through its proboscis or through its anus. It's actually a really great question. Does a gnat buzz through its they proboscis? They will answer the question for you. And what did he say about the gnat? He said that the gut of the gnat was narrow and that in passing through this tiny passage, the air is driven with force towards the breach. Then after this slender channel, it encountered the rump, which was distended like a trumpet. And there it resounded sonorously. So the arse of a gnat is a trumpet. <laughs> oh, what a splendid asservation. Thrice happy Socrates. <laughs> wait, wait. Our arservation? Arservation. Arservation <laughs> <laughs> thrice, happy Socrates. It would not be difficult to succeed in a lawsuit knowing so much about a gnat's guts. Not long ago, a lizard caused him the loss of a sublime thought. In what way, please? A lizard crapping on Socrates. Oh, wait. One night. Mm. Oh, yeah. One night when he was studying the discourse of the moon and its revolutions and was gazing open-mouthed at the heavens, a lizard <laughs> crapped upon him from the top of the roof. A lizard crapping on Socrates. That's rich. <laughs> Last night we had nothing to eat. Well, what did he contrive to secure you some supper? He spread over the table a light layer of cinders, bending an iron rod the while. Then he took up a pair of compasses and at the same moment unhooked a piece of the victim which was hanging in the palestra. And we still dare to admire Thales. Open, open this home of knowledge to me quickly. Haste, haste to show me Socrates. I long to become his disciple. But do please open the door. Yeah, we'll stop right there. Okay, so um, what's the what, what's coming across in this in this back and forth right here? That it's useless speculation yeah. and also not very scientific. Yes, exactly. So that's the you know how do we figure out what how how high gnats jump? We put their feet in wax and then measure by like these units of of wax feet basically back and forth. Um, tell me it's wrong. Tell me it's wrong. I can't tell you it's wrong. I think the point is that last part where it's, you know, I'm going to win every lawsuit I go into because I know that the Nat's butt is a trumpet, right? Like that is, so it's both unscientific. It's also a waste of time, mm -hmm. right? That these questions just don't matter to Can anyone. I also observe that, that usually the fart jokes are my domain? Like what is, what has happened that you are bringing this <laughs> yeah, to us today? I'm Thomas? so sorry. I, uh, I don't think there are more farts. Um, and I have fart, to fart, wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> How long ago was that? That was a long time ago. Wait, is that, is that like what I say? That's yeah, that was AJ's. That was, uh, or that was how Graham was describing your contributions to whatever the conversation <laughs> far, far, was. Far, far, wiggle, wiggle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I if that was a main episode or an in-between <laughs> episode. That is, in fact, a thing that happened. Um, then I'll never forget it. Um, they made reference to this. Socrates will show up later. Um, he is, um, uh, Socrates is, is held in a basket. He's high up in the air. It's, you know, the... 
um, he's above kind of all of the, the the problems and questions beneath him. Mm. Isn't um, Socrates descending in a basket a famous stage, um, a famous stage note in, in theater history? I mean, it, it's a very funny one in this mm-hmm. play. Did, are you, was there some reference to no, it? No, it's or? just, I, I think, uh, enter Socrates descending in a basket is yeah. like a famous, a famous, uh, stage note. But that is, I mean, that is the, the stage note that, that is given there. Um, the, he has this, he has a line in there. It's, uh, what's that? <laughs> he departs, the machine swings in Socrates yes. in a basket. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I think it's a Socrates line. It's, uh, how can I study from below that which is above? And that's why he has to be in a basket all the time because he wants to be able to study the stars. And it's the same thing where everyone is like, ah, profound Socrates. What an incredible line. Um, so, you know, Socrates, we, the previous section was with a disciple of Socrates, but it's more of the same. Once Socrates shows up, it's more of these silly questions back and forth. Um, uh, Socrates says that the reason he's up in the basket, I'm, I'm traversing the air and contemplating the sun. Uh, so that same thing of basically wasting time on questions, um, asking things that don't matter, aren't important, uh, potentially are unscientific for, uh, to use what Graham was talking about before. The next chunk of the play is um, um, Strepsiades trying to join the thoughtery, trying to kind of get uh, involved with it, trying to learn, um, but he's a very slow student. Uh, it's, it's primarily, it's attributed to his age in the play that you know, he's just kind of too old to be to be joining and going through this right now. Um, but he's trying his hardest and always with the understanding that the reason he's doing this is to get out of his debts eventually. So um, I guess I should raise this now. Uh, the, it seems like Aristophanes' understanding is that Socrates is basically a sophist, mm-hmm. right? Um, I actually don't remember if that's one of the accusations against Socrates is that he was purveying in sophistry. His accusations were doesn't believe in the gods yeah. and is corrupting the youth. Yeah. Well, the part two. of that was he, he says, you just read it, that, that I make the worse seem the stronger, yes. which is sophistry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess will be our next section that we go into, but um, Strepsiades tries to educate himself, tries to make it through this program, but is, una- is ultimately unable to. Um, he implores his son to go into the uh, the thoughtery to join with Socrates to, um, to be educated in, um, in sophistry. Um, Phidippides is not super keen on doing this. He doesn't really want to. Cause he likes horse racing. Yes. He's he, just like a good old, good old Greek kid. Yeah. They do have all these funny things where it's like, he's too healthy looking to be a philosopher. Like he, he, he's going to leave with pale skin and his teeth are going to fall out if he, becomes a philosopher because he's never going to go outside ever again. So he's going to be super unhealthy. Uh, <laughs> but um, ultimately, Strepsiades is kind of able to encourage his son to um, show up to the academy, to begin to enter. Um, but they, the, the question becomes, what is his son going to be taught as a part of the, um, as a part of the school? And so that's the second quote, if you see it there. Um, the character speaking is unjust discourse, if you want to look for that. Um, so the, the, way, the way this works is that Strepsiades kind of gives up, says his son is going to take his place and instead join the school. Um, and then the question Socrates raises is, well, what should we teach your kid once he's here? Should we teach him uh, just di- discourse or should we teach him unjust discourse? Um, in the translation that I read first before doing this um, open translation that we're reading from, it was um, the better argument and the worse argument are the, are the names for these two different groups. 
So Socrates says, the just and unjust discourse themselves shall instruct him. I shall leave you. Got it. And in my, the other translation I'm working with, it says that Socrates um, takes one of these sides that he'll, that um, in this translation, it says that he takes the unjust discourse side. So it's the same actor who plays Socrates then becomes Mm. the unjust discourse. Mm. It's not clear. I don't think that says that here. Um, but just to say that, that it's, an, it's another one of those things that this becomes the kind of public portrayal of Socrates is that he's the purveyor of this unjust discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, we might just do a, we'll do a, probably a shorter so- section of this just to get a, a feel for it. And then we'll skip to that second quote that I had there before. So Socrates says, the just and unjust discourse themselves shall instruct him. I shall leave you. Strepsiades says, but forget it not. He must always, always be able to confound the truth. So again, Strepsiades wants to get out of his debts. That's what this is all about. Okay. Just discourse will be Graham, obviously, okay. and then unjust discourse will, of course, be AJ. Okay. So Wait, uh, so, so Strepsiades wants to learn how to do unjust discourse because correct. he needs to be able to get out of his debts? He actually entered into debts and needs to find a way out of them. He thinks that rhetoric is his way to do it. So it ha- he has to earn the unjust. Okay, got yes, it. Yes, but yeah. we're going to get this fight between the two discourses, right? So I'm the just discourse. You are the just Obviously. discourse. And then, right. uh, it's AJ, the sensible choice. It's, uh, you said it. After I said it. Okay, so um, <clears throat> just discourse, let's let's go back and forth a little bit. So uh, just and just uncourse, unjust discourse come out, they are quarreling violently. Correct. All right. Thank come you. here, shameless as you may be, will you dare to show your face to the spectators? Hmm. Take me where you will. I seek a throng so that I may the better annihilate you. Annihilate me? Do you forget who you are? I am reasoning. Yes. The weaker reasoning. But I triumph over you, who claim to be the stronger. By what cunning shrifts, pray? By the invention of new maxims. Which are received with favor by these fools. He, say, he points to the audience. Say rather, by these wise men. I'm going to destroy you mercilessly. <laughs> How, pray? Let us see you do it. By saying what is true. I shall retort and shall very soon have the better of you. First, maintain that justice has no existence. Has no existence. No existence? Why? Where is it? It's with the gods. How then, if justice exists, was Zeus not put to death for having put his father in chains? Ah, this is enough to turn my stomach a basin quick. You are an old driveler and stupid withal. And you a degenerate and shameless fellow. <laughs> what sweet expressions. An impious buffoon. You crown me with roses and with lilies. A parasite. Why, you shower gold upon me. Formerly, it was a hailstorm of blows. I deck myself with your abuse. What impudence. What tomfoolery. It is because of you that the youth no longer attend the schools. The Athenians will soon recognize what lessons you teach those who are fools enough to believe you. You are overwhelmed with wretchedness. And you, you prosper. Yet you were poor when you said, I am the the Mysian Telephus, and used to suffer your wallet with maxims of pendentalist to Niblat. Oh, the beautiful wisdom of which you are now boasting. Madman! But yet matter the city that keeps you, you the corrupter of its youth. It is not you who will teach this young man. You are as old and out of date as Cronus. Nay, it will certainly be I, if he does not wish to be lost and to practice verbosity only. Two Fidipides. Come here and leave him to beat the air. You'll regret it if you touch him. I guess we'll keep going. This is fun. The chorus leader stepping between them uh, as they are just about to come to blows. A, a truce to your quarrelings and abuse, but you expound what you taught us formerly, and, and you, your new doctrine. Thus, after hearing each of you argue, he will be able to choose betwixt the two schools. I am quite And agreeable. I too. Oh, sorry. 
I do. Uh, Who is to speak first? Let it be my opponent. He has my full consent. Then I shall follow upon the very ground he shall leave hill he shall have chosen and shall shatter him with a hail of new ideas and subtle fancies. If after that he dares to breathe another word, I shall sting him in the face and in the eyes with our maxims, which are as keen as the sting of a wasp, and he will die. Um, so we skip down to very well. We're oh. going to skip probably this entire section. Mm. It, um, so just discourse begins arguing for um, the tradition of the city, um, these festivals that they used to have, um, this kind of respect for, again, tradition, um, uh, parents, elders. Uh, but he does it in this very strange way where he's talking about the like incredible parties that the old timers th- used to throw in the, back in their day. Um, it ends up being a, like a strange argument. The point seems to be that we have these traditions. We just happen to do them because we've always used to do them. And that if you kind of describe them uh, as they are, they just they sound uh, you just you wouldn't re-implement any of these parties or festivities if you were to redo it again. Um, Unjust says that because there's like no significance to the past, we can throw all of it off. We don't need to respect tradition, which is the the thing that just discourse is trying to argue for. Um, the the end of the argument is that line that I had, I had sent you all before that starts with the unjust discourse saying who left him in the lurch. Um, it's, uh, I guess we can just go through it cause it's another funny section. Uh, so let's start with unjust discourse with the ellipses who left him in the lurch. So the only point of bringing this stuff up is that like, uh, this is delightful. It's very funny. It's like it's very. It's much. Uh, is raunchy the wrong term? It's, it's pretty no, raunchy. It's raunchy. Okay, it's much raunchier than like when when I think of like what is like old. What's an old play like, or what's a classic like? This yeah. is not my uh, getting a radish of the Patukas. Yeah, is exactly. Your first go to. It reminds me of that play where the what is it? What's that play where the Spartan women decide to withhold Lysistrata, which yeah. is mm. also by uh, Aristophanes. It's oh. by the same guy. Oh, so he's yeah. like full of sexy times, yes. scandalous plays. Yes, right. that's exactly right. Um, so that's just so just discourse is like you are. Um, if if we follow your advice, there's going to be punishment to what you're saying. People are going to get radished. Yeah, if they're going to get radishes, and it's not going to be pleasant. Um, uh, we don't have to read the rest of it because it just repeats that over and over again. But the, what is repeated over and over again is that like all of the playwrights, all of the musicians, all of the tragic poets engaged in this infidelity. And therefore, like all of our art comes from these people who we would call immoral. So just discourse is arguing against the people who, who like created the culture of the city over time. And so unjust discourse says there's no problem of... Um, engaging in infidelity because the punishment is something in, uh, received by the heroes of Athens. And then un, uh, just discourse ultimately gives up and says, you've proven, uh, what's the, uh, I am beaten, um, uh, debauches in the name of the gods, receive my cloak. I pass over to you, your ranks. And then he, he leaves and gives up. So essentially unjust discourse is able to maneuver around just a discourse to say that the thing that, was supposed to be claimed as bad infidelity is actually okay because it's something done by like the everyone we respect, everyone we respect. So unjust discourse in this, uh, uh, dialogue that we've, sorry, didn't skip over enough. My bad. Um, (laughs) wins that, wins that debate between the two of them, which then leads to 
uh, Fidibides choosing unjust discourse to be the one that he's going to learn. <laughs> so then the from. kid's like, "Oh man, this is awesome." Yeah, uh, uh, and then so unjust discourse before he leaves says, "Don't worry." to Strepsiades, don't worry, I shall return him to you, an accomplished sophist. Uh, and then Phidippides leaves with unjust discourse, and time passes, and uh, that's what uh, Phidippides is, is, uh, gets to learn. He gets to learn how to outmaneuver his opponents and win at any cost. All right, so let's go to the next part. The I claim of you, the 12? Yeah. Okay, I'm there. So what happens is Phidippides then comes out of the Thoughtery, and he is prepared to defend his father against these debts. They get into this discussion about when the summons for a trial related to debt occurs. And that's what uh, we'll start with the Strepsiades line. What has that to do with the old and the new? Okay. My Strepsiades? Yes. Is A.J. Phidippides? Yes. Okay. What has that to do with the old day and the new? He has fixed two days for the summons, the last day of the old moon and the first day of the new, but the deposits must only be paid on the first day of the new moon. And why did he also name the last day of the old? So, my dear sir, that the debtors, being there the day before, might free themselves by mutual agreement, or that else, if not, the creditor might begin his action on the morning of the new moon. Why then do the magistrates have the deposit paid on the last of the month and not the next day? I think they do as the gluttons do, who are the first to pounce upon the dishes. Being eager to carry off these deposits, they have them paid in a day too soon. Splendid! To the audience. Ah, you poor brutes who serve for food to us clever folk. You are only down here to swell the number. True blockheads. Sheep for shearing. Heap of empty pots. Hence, I will sing a song of victory for my son and myself. Oh, happy Strepsiades, what cleverness is thine, and what a son thou hast here. Thus my friends and my neighbors will say, jealous at seeing me gain all my suits. But come in, I wish to regale you first. They both go in, a moment later a creditor arrives with his witness, and we'll, we'll skip over that, that next part. But essentially, one cre- the, the point about this two-day thing is that you have these two days that are lay- laid out of when the complaint against the debtor can be made and when the payment needs to be made. Um, but those are uh, two different days. So essentially at two points in the law, it's referenced as there's a complaint and then the person needs to pay. It's referenced as one day and in a different place. It's refer- referenced as two days. And so Phidippides' logic is to say, how can two, day be, two days be one day? Therefore, none of these debts need to be paid. He finds a Dang. loophole in the law, basically, that allows Strepsides to get out of this... Uh, out of his debts. So that's what we just read. Strepsiades is celebrating. That's the last part that Graham just read that, um, it's going to be awesome because we can, we're going to get out of all this. Um, Oh, ha- Oh, happy Strepsiades is the line right there. Uh, does anyone want to take a guess at kind of what, what happens from here? He gets out of his debts and does everything end happily ever after. No, sure. he's lost his son. His son's like an idiot. Oh, inter- so you think he's like too stupid now to do anything else? Be useful. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think as, as teachers, you might, uh, I think you'll like where this in, well, you'll like parts and dislike others. Okay. Uh, let's go to that last one. Oh, oh, neighbors. We're not doing the, I claim of you, the 12. No, that was that next part there. It's just, uh, there are two or three debtors that come against him and Strepsiades and Phidippides are able to fend each one of them off by out logicking them essentially. So Strepsiades gets what he wants. He doesn't have to pay his debts. I'll read the chorus line right before that. Found it. And I, I haven't, there's a, 
as in most Greek plays, there's a chorus here. Uh, the chorus is, I'm excited for the people on YouTube to see AJ swatting a fly <laughs> through a most of this. Fly, and it and just keeps going at his all face. all around my face and it's driving me crazy. But on the I, video, you won't be able to see it. So it's going to look uh, like you've just lost your mind sorry. like halfway through this episode, which <laughs> I don't blame you, but it's just very funny. Either sorry way. if I've been blowing on the the pop filter. If you can hear so. it, me blowing on the microphone, it's just this stinking fly it will not leave me alone. Now I remember what happens to poor strips. I don't know if you read this before. Have you? Yeah, I did. It, uh, yeah. Back in the day. I um, haven't read it yet. So we this do have um, this chorus throughout, and um, the chorus is made up of these kind of like demigod creatures, mm-hmm. which are the clouds. Uh, and so this kind of feeds into that other claim made against Socrates is that he believed in these other gods. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this is a part of that, is that who, the people that support the school, the thoughtery, whatever, um, are this other set of gods other than the traditional Greek gods. Um, but uh, their line right before Strepsides is, Whither does the passion of evil lead? Here is a perverse old man who wants to cheat his creditors, but some mishap which will speedily punish this rogue for his shameful schemings cannot fail to overtake him from today. Radish. Radish. (laughs) For a long time, he has been burning to have his son know how to fight against all justice and right and to gain even the most iniquitous causes against his adversaries, every one. I think this wish is going to be fulfilled, but mayhap, mayhap, Will he soon wish his son were dumb, rather? Oh, his son's going to turn it on his dad because he has a new power. Society is rushing out with Pheidippides after him. Oh, neighbors, kinsmen, fellow citizens, help, help to the rescue. I'm being beaten. Ow, my head. Oh, my jaw. Scoundrel, do you beat your own father? Yes, father, I do. See, he admits he is beating me. Of course I do. You villain, you parasite, you gallows bird. This is the second time parasite is uh, killing of a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go on, repeat your epithets. Call me a thousand other names if it please you. The more you curse, the greater my amusement. Oh, you dirty arsed cynic. <laughs> oh, sorry, ditched arsed ditch arse cynic. Yeah. That's a pretty good yeah, that's pretty yeah. insult. How fragrant the perfume you breathed forth in your words. Do you beat your own father? Yes, by Zeus, and I'm going to show you that I do right in beating you. Ow, wretch, can it be right to beat a father? I will prove it to you, and you shall own yourself vanquished. Own myself vanquished on a point like this? It is the easiest thing in the world. Choose whichever of the two reasonings you like. Of which reasonings? The stronger and the weaker. Miserable fellow. (laughs) Why am I the one who had you taught how to refute what is right, and now you would persuade me it is right a son should beat his father? I think I shall convince you so thoroughly that when you have heard me, you will not have a word to say. Well, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Are we skipping the chorus? Uh, I'm not going to sing it. Consider well, old man, how you can best triumph over him. His brazenness shows me that he thinks himself sure of his case. He has some argument which gives him nerve. Note the confidence in his look. Then the leader of the chorus says, but how did the fight begin? Tell the chorus. You cannot help doing that much. I will tell you what was the start of the quarrel. Uh, at the end of the meal, as you know, I bade him take his lyre and sing me the air of Simonides, which tells of the fleece of the ram. He replied bluntly that it was stupid while drinking to play the lyre and sing like a woman when she is grinding barley. Just to what's happening here is that the cor- the leader of the chorus is asking what caused this conflict. Yeah, why are they fighting? Yeah, why are they fighting? And, yeah. and Strepsides is, kind of, is giving the context of why Phidippides is beating him. He wanted me to give him a song at dinner. Yes, it's exactly, yeah. Okay. Phidippides says, Why, by rights, I ought to have beaten and kicked you the very moment you told me to sing. Um, that is just how he spoke to me in the house. Furthermore, he added that Simonides was a detestable poet. However, I mastered myself and for a while said nothing. Then I said to him, at least take a myrtle branch and recite a passage from Aeschylus to me. 
For my own part, he had once replied, I look upon Aeschylus as the first of poets, for his verses roll superbly. They are nothing but incoherence, bombast, and turgidity. Yet still I smothered my wrath and said, Then recite one of the famous pieces from the modern poets. Then he commenced a piece in which Euripides shows, Oh, horror, a brother who violates his own uterine sister. Then I could no longer restrain myself and attacked him with the most injurious abuse. Naturally, he retorted. Hard words were hurled on both sides, and finally he sprang at me, broke my bones, bore me to the earth, strangled, and started killing me. I was right. What? Not praise Euripides, the greatest of our poets? So just so the Strepsides had asked for this kind of old-timey poem, and Phidippides' response is to say it's it's trash, and he doesn't want to recite it and doesn't want to sing it. Um, so, so then he recites the new raunchy stuff. Yes, that's it's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, which is Phidippides' point of why not uh, praise Euripides, uh, yeah, Strepsides, if you want to. Uh, He, the greatest of our poets. He, the greatest of our poets? Ah, if I but dare to speak, but the blows would rain upon me harder than ever. Undoubtedly, and rightly so. Rightly. Oh, what impudence. To me, who brought you up? When you could hardly lisp, I guess what you wanted. If you said, well, I brought you your milk. If you asked for ma'am, ma'am, I gave you bread. <laughs> Let's actually stop because there's a, a weird part later on in that section. But like the point Strepsides will make is that he gives. <laughs> I don't want to read that. Isn't that weird? <laughs> okay. You read all this other stuff and you won't read that one. That's well, funny. I'm finally reading ahead and uh, whatever. Um, that um, Strepsides is like meeting every need of uh, Phidippides uh, and that Phidippides kind of owes him as a result of that. Um, but the whole point is Phidippides uh, will respond and, and push back on every one of these claims. Um, let me, I'll just, I'll, I'll start scooching toward the, the end of it, just, um, since we're getting there. Um, the question then is what, what should, what happens next? I'm trying to get to the part where it happens. Um, I'll try and find the exact section, but essentially Strepsides sees that he's going to lose this debate with Phidippides, who is now better trained and better able to articulate, uh, why, you know, beating his father is okay. There's a part where, uh, Phidippides gets his father to admit that, like, as a, as a son, Strepsides would, would hit his kid. Um, and that now that they're adults, that then makes it okay for the son to attack the father. They're, you know, it, it opened with Phidippides offering to, to give the stronger or the weaker argument. So he gives a few different reasons for why <laughs> this, uh, the beating was, was permitted. Strepsides then at the end is just beside himself of not knowing what to do, um, Strepsides has a section that starts, oh, exclamation, what madness? And maybe searching what madness will get you there faster. I just saw the part. Is it where he goes to? I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. So it's, it's the very end of it, if you're there. Let's, uh, this is this is Strepsides' response to um, Phidippides. Do you want to mm-hmm. start with it? Oh, what madness. I had lost my reason when I threw over the gods through Socrates' seductive phrases. And I turned to the statue of Hermes. Oh, good Hermes, do not destroy me in your wrath. Forgive me. Their babbling had driven me crazy. Be my counselor. Shall I pursue them at law or shall I order and I obey? You are right. No lawsuit, but up. Let us burn down the home of those partners. Here, Xanthias, here, take a ladder. Come forth and arm yourself with an axe. Now mount upon the thottery. Demolish the roof. If you love your master and may the house fall in upon them. Ho, bring me a blazing torch. There is more than one of them arch imposters as they are on whom I am determined to have vengeance. It's going to be the disciples uh, from within. Oh, oh, 
Come, torch, do your duty, burst into full flame. What are you up to? What am I up to? Why, I am entering upon a subtle argument with the beams of this house. <laughs> From within. Hello, hello, who's burning down our house? The man whose cloak you have appropriated. You are killing us! That is just exactly what I hope. Unless my axe plays me false or I fall and break my neck. Uh, Socrates appearing at the window. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah of course. Um... Hi, you fellow on the roof. What are you doing up there? Mocking Socrates' manner. I'm traversing the air and <laughs> contemplating the sun. Ah, <laughs> uh, woe is upon me. I'm suffocating. And I, alas, shall... Uh, that's oh, the sorry. second disciple. Uh, and I, alas, shall be burnt up. So this is the second and disciple. And I, alas, shall be burnt up. Sorry, it's ah, hard to keep track. You insulted the gods. You studied the face of the moon. Chase them. Strike and beat them down forward. They have richly deserved their fate above all by reason of their blasphemies. And the leader of the chorus says, so let the chorus file off the stage. Its part is played. What an end. He's like killing, murdering everyone in the house. Yep. So burns down the academy, essentially. Burns down the place where the philosophers get trained up. And kills the disciples and uh, Socrates dies. To death. Yep. And that is the end of the clouds. Um, uh, hello, you fellow on the roof. <laughs> Imagine really if you're like Socrates watching this in the audience. You're like, huh. I'm trying to re- I think he did go to see it. Um, he does because he makes reference about it in the apology. That's a good yeah. point. See, um, so uh, again, I've only given you kind of certain sections of it um, and apologies for not cutting out all the, the, the fun, raunchy parts. But um, what, uh, what do you think? What a... Uh, do you find this argument compelling? Of So again, Aristophanes is coming in with his really heavy, like, these philosophers are bad. They are doing a bad thing that's undermining the city. Do you find any of this compelling? Is it just all slander? What do you, what do you make of it? I mean, obviously what Aristophanes is saying is like turning it into an absurd thing. But he does have a point in saying that Socrates does have a knack of grinding peoples to a halt with indecision because they can't come to like precise definitions about virtue or, or where just where justice comes from and that kind of thing. So I, I can imagine that if you are talking to somebody who talked to Socrates and was convinced by Socrates, your vision of Socrates would be somebody who is yeah. like well, turning, actually, you know, upperly mobile, well-meaning kids into like, yeah, the well actually yeah. like, you know, insufferable uh, uh, first-year philosophy student youth. And, um, uh, and yeah, and so then th- this is the eternal debate about, like, is Socrates good for the city or bad for the city? Is is <laughs> Well, if we're to take his primary disciple Plato as an example, Plato had some pretty weird ideas about how a city should be run. It's true. Mm-hmm. Right? Kids in common and, like, rigged sexual lottery and lying to the, all the military and no sad dirges, no plays, no... Like, all the music was in major key and sung for marches and take the kids out and let them see violence. Get them used to it. Yeah. Like, all kinds of crazy stuff. And but, Yeah, but if you go to, like, if you try to get to the basics of Socrates, of what we think is Socrates' thought, that perpetual question it's asking to try to get to the very heart of the issue and to try to get, like, real, like, uh, you know, do the gods love it because it's just or is it just because the gods love it? Like, that's the quintessential Socratic question. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think some of these questions are worthwhile, but with only the Socratic method, this is why we try to balance mm-hmm. Socratic method with mythos, right? You can, you can question, you can question, you can chip and chip and chip away at a question until you really have mm-hmm. nothing left. But at some point you have to be able to point to the good and say, that's clearly good. Like I know what it is. Yeah. That's it. And I'm not going to, you know. Yeah. Which Socrates thinks that he is doing, right? Wasn't that also a part of your episode? Is that Socrates thinks there is a good that is not. 
chipped away at. Yeah, at least for so in Socrates' defense, at some point he does have to ascribe that there is sort of like a foundational starting point, if you wanted to call it the mythos. Like there is some kind of objective good that you can start with. Um, So he's not completely relative. Socrates isn't just totally 100% dialectic until nothing is left, Mm. and asking questions until everything is gone. Yeah, he offers things. But the the things that he offers, he has to offer as a priori things, as like, you know, uh, as, as things that you... Um, you ha- you posit because they're before experience, sort of a priori, um, which Aristophanes doesn't. Aristophanes just thinks that Socrates is playing um, uh, like just linguistic games, mm-hmm. and that I guess the time is it's just all wasted time, mm-hmm. right? And that you know the I guess the counterpoint is that Socrates is doing something good for these uh, kind of upwardly mobile people that they would lead these lives. Maybe there's like some. They wouldn't be totally fulfilled. They wouldn't be answering important questions. He's kind of saving them from that, mm-hmm. right? Um, whereas Aristophanes would look at that and say they're throwing their lives away mm-hmm. essentially to, to follow after this. Yeah, it's like um, Socrates is in many ways sort of having – is trying to like awaken the conscience in the youth that they're not yes. just like mindlessly going about their lives if they don't have solid reasons for doing what they're doing. But by awaking the conscience in youth, you're also like – opening them up to being like to radically changing the course of their lives yeah. based on the decision that they're making right now because their conscience was shaken in, you know, goodness and vice and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, I always come back. I, I, I land on, I don't really know how to think about Socrates. Is he like this real, you see this sort of helpful paragon or is he kind of like, ugh, you're just, Annoying. <laughs> yeah. Probably both, right? I thought you all would find interesting also that um, kind of moral education piece of at the end of Clouds of that as uh, mm. Phidippides is taught to kind of undermine the morality of like honoring your debts, he then also is undermining essentially everything that's taught him. Yeah, I mean, he beats what, his dad. <laughs> yeah, beats his dad. Uh, we didn't read this part. He threatens to beat his mother. And then that's what leads to um, uh, Strepsiades burning down the thoughtery of like, mm-hmm. This this entire endeavor is bankrupt. Um, I don't know if there's more to say there, but just something I thought you all would find interesting. I mean, he's surprised. He was trying to find out a way to get out of his debts. He yeah. wanted criminal action. Yeah. He Yes, and he got it, right? And he got it. Yeah. It's maybe an interesting par- part of it that there's like a complicity of the of the parent in this, right? It's not just the kid's fault. So yeah. this, this isn't just a, the kids these days kind of story, right? Yeah. Like it really so is. The kids these days were built. <laughs> yes, exactly. By the decisions of the parents these yes. days. Because even uh, Socrates is closer to the Strepsiades, or mm-hmm. uh, the 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 father's age, yeah, Strepsiades, than to the son. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's the clouds. I've talked about it for a while, but Thanks. I just finally uh, hmm. there's your episode. Um, it's good. It's uh, it's funny. You got to be, you know, the translation that I got. Um, what is this? The Focus Classical Library. We, we could read like actually none of it on the podcast. So the one that the open source one or whatever it's called that we just read is a much more tame version oh, of the story. So um, yeah, apologies for any of that stuff. Cool. But it's uh, these Greeks. They had funny plays. They have funny plays. I don't know what you want me to say. Um, um, it still makes me giggle when th- people think about classicism as this highbrow, yes. high-minded, definitely high vocabulary, nothing smutty yeah. place. It's definitely not that. <laughs> not at all. So you should um, 
Uh, don't let your parents know you're reading Aristophanes, <laughs> that, 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 these dirty books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know with Graham, Thomas, and AJ. Um, hopefully no youth have been corrupted during the Through course this. of this podcast. Yeah, of course not. Um, and well, now they're going to go and read Aristophanes no. and their parents will be really impressed yeah. with them. Oh, I, um, do we still do classical stuff you got wrong? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I got a classical stuff I got wrong on my last, uh, um, Plantagenet episode. I completely butchered the, the, um, the John of Gaunt, uh, uh, like, uh, like who his brothers were and all this kind of stuff. I kind of said that his brother was Henry V. When his brother was not Henry V, mm. he was Henry V's like grand great <laughs> uncle. Uh, his brother was um, was the original. What was like was it Edward the Third? Edward the Third was his brother who died, and then the th- anyway, I, I I goofed it up. But John of Gaunt, that is where the Duke of York's line comes from. But uh, he wasn't related to Henry V as a brother, but as like a great uncle or something. So there you go. I'm glad you finally okay. set the thank record you. straight. Yep. I've been really worked up about yep. that, so thank you. I, I mean, this, you know, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> it's it's like the history of a whole country, it's and true. they can feel pretty passionately, passionately yeah. about it. Yeah. And our next one's going to be a Plantagenet episode, right? I think so. We should record that. Let's do that. All right. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.